it reads up your database schema and uh, it creates a REST API with OpenAPI definition as well as a GraphQL API on top of your schema. It supports relations and a few other bits. It also does migrations, it does logging, it does, you know, what you would expect from a daemon. Like a code generator or no? No, it just runs, so the, it is what we wanted, okay? We believe that the best line of code is the one that you don't have to write. So if you need a code generator, we are essentially implying that you will need to maintain that code. We want to minimize friction. We want to remove the problem. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Square. Develop on the platform that sellers trust. Here's what you could do with Square. You could bridge more experiences. You could build online, mobile, and in-person commerce experiences that connect more customers and sellers. You can build custom booking solutions. You can create and track orders. You can accept payments. You can manage and curate inventory. You can organize customers. You can manage employees. You can extend Square gift cards to your app. You can use Afterpay. So much is available as a Square Solutions partner. Learn more and get started at changelog.com slash square. Again, changelog.com slash square. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live each and every Thursday. Join in on the hijinks in our community Slack. Sign up for free at jsparty.fm slash community. Special thanks to our partners at Fastly for shipping JS Party super fast to wherever you listen. Check them out at fastly.com. And to our friends at fly.io, host your app servers close to your users. No ops required. Learn more at fly.io. Okay, hey, it is party time, y'all. Party listeners, we are so excited to be back with you this week. We have a super hot off the presses show. Like this announcement just got dropped literally like less than an hour ago. I haven't even finished reading the blog post, but that's okay. But we're here to kind of announce and kind of usher into the world a new baby that's like open source from the Node community. It's called Platformatic. We're here with the founders, creators today. And before we meet them, on the panel with me today is Chris Hiller. Hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. You always make me laugh. Like, don't distract me. We have a tight show today, so I have kept to stay focused, okay? No distractions. So, Chris, hello, Chris. Hi. Hi. Okay. I'll try not to screw things up for you. Thanks. On the show today to introduce their new project, Platformatic, are Matteo Kalina. Hello, Matteo. Hi, Amal. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi. So glad to be back. Yeah. Yay. And Luca, Luca Maracci. Maracci, but he's perfect. Maracci. Yeah, hey, everyone. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Oy, oy, oy. We're so excited to have you both today. So, um, Matteo, like this is it's so funny. Like I have not talked to you since the last time you were on this show. And so today's show is going to be kind of a mix of like me catching up with what's been going on in Matteo's life, because a lot seems to have changed since he was last on the show. And we're also going to learn about his new project. And what's really great is like Luca, someone who as well as like 
in my friends, wider friend circle, we have a lot of very close mutual friends. And Luca and I have been like, we've like had this friendship that was supposed to get started a few years ago and it never happened. So now like this is like hopefully the beginning of that friendship. So hopefully informal show, we're learning about their new projects. And before we get into Platformatic, Matteo, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and same thing for you, Luca? So let's, uh, I don't know, I don't know where to start. Let's see, let's remember what I said last time in the show. So if you don't, the previous part, it's on the previous show. So you go and watch and listen to that one. No, I'm joking. I have been coding for more than 30 years. I have been doing Node since uh, 2010, 2011, putting Node in production since then. Part of the Node uh, collaborators group uh, since 2015 after a few years, got uh, into the Node.js technical steering committee. Yeah. Kept working, maintaining Node.js. Uh, the meanwhile, I started a, a new project called Fastify, which we talked about maybe one of the shows at some point, probably, and which is a web framework for Node that is uh, getting some traction lately. So it's great. It works very well. It's super battle-tested for high production usage of Node.js. For the last eight years and a half, I've been in professional services. I work for a company called uh, Nearform. This is where I actually, when I was working at Nearform, this is actually where I met Luca. And we have been colleagues for a bit. Then we both had kids in 2020, which is, uh, yeah. The world's greatest year. <laughs> yeah. The most fantastical year of the most fantastical century. Uh, Yes. yes, and then we kept in touch after he left Nearform a few years back, he will tell, and then we kept in touch. And in uh, mid-June, I left, uh, I've left Nearform and I have uh, uh, jumped in into this new adventure with Luca, Platformatic. And you can, uh, uh, it's, uh, we have been keeping it for a couple of months because we need a little bit of time to actually mm -hmm. develop something to announce to the world. Yeah. No vaporware. That's like the opposite of most developers, though, because like most developers, their first thing is like they buy the URL, then they make the like vaporware announcement on like the Internet, then they go build the tool, then they kind of like get demotivated halfway through and then it just fizzles out. Like, I'm so impressed at people who manage to like get to the end and actually launch something. But then I'm also amazed at people who launch something in secret, like I didn't even know about this. And Mateo, we have so many close mutual friends. And yeah. Granted, like I've been living under a rock for the past few months, too, but like I'm just like, whoa, I heard about this morning from Jared and I was like, this is hot stuff. Like, I can't wait to hear about it and also catch up with Mateo. And then Luca, I had no idea that you went to Nearform. I like missed that. That's so cool that y'all had a little bit of overlap at Nearform because Nearform is a really like fascinating company for those of you who might not be familiar. Like, you know, if you, anyone is out there looking for like node consultants, like node contractors, like people who understand how to build node services at scale, go to Nearform. Like they are deep experts experts in JavaScript, they're deep experts in scale and distributed systems and like how to cleanly like scale your architecture. Like they're incredible engineers. And they also do a, they do a lot for the community as well. Oh, I love my previous company. Yeah. Huge open source element to their work as well. So that's kind of the roots that Mateo's coming from. And I guess it's great to hear, Luca, that you had some of that. So yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Luca? Yeah. I also started very early coding. Uh, I still remember the first time, but uh, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, and so I kind of blended my passion for computers with uh, the passion for building businesses and uh, making impactful products. Yeah. So I started when I was very young at 12 years old, and I built along the way a few companies that I was uh, able to, uh, to sell. And 
I went through this uh, cycle of uh, learning uh, something new and applying to business. Uh, in 2010, 14, something like that, I met Matteo, or 15, I met Matteo in the backstage uh, of Node Summit. And uh, yeah, basically in 2016, I was uh, in front of a big decision to switch from uh, moving to a large uh, company or join Near Form. And I still remember Kian uh, in the castle in Ireland uh, kind of like convincing me to join Near Form. And so it took just a few months and I... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I joined Nearform uh, mostly because I was excited to uh, work with people like uh, Matteo, other very close friend Dave, uh, at the time Peter. So I was very excited about all these people and mm -hmm. I said, well, it's a great opportunity. So Matteo and I started traveling a little bit around the world for a couple of years. And uh, in 2017, I uh, moved to, uh, to Canada. Uh, well, not I moved to Canada, sorry. I visited Canada and then I decided to stay in Canada where I moved in. You remember when we were all in Canada, Amal? Yeah, no, I was there. Yeah, I was there. Luca yeah. uh, then stayed there. Yeah, no, we hung out. It was a really fun time. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, we met through uh, Ahmed. Uh, mm -hmm. That was the common denominator. Yeah, Ahmed is one of our biggest mutuals, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, basically, long story short, I uh, moved to work again for large cars like uh, Talos, uh, following the path of uh, Ahmed and uh, then back into startups and uh, doing some uh, CTO work, consultancy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so basically, um, it was actually natural. Matteo and I kept in touch for such a long time. We were so close and we have been thinking about this idea for way too long. Mm -hmm. And so basically in the beginning of the year, we kind of like gather all our thoughts together and here we are a few months later kind of like making off uh, a small side project and crazy idea that we were yeah. building uh, just in our minds it was all in our minds there was nothing really you know solid yeah we talked and said well it could be nice one day to build a company and then uh, we can call it mozzarella js or pizza yeah. js or what well, i don't know like pizza js so, okay so honestly though i'm just fascinated that like you both are italians in tech from the node community have both had like really prolific and very successful careers like independently and you're now re like you're forming a union around this company and this project like i think that's so cool and you're like mateo you're like an italian that's still living in italy and then luca is like an italian that's like globe hopping and is currently based in canada like that's so cool yeah. um yeah so like can you tell us a little bit about platformatic what is it what inspired it what problems is it uniquely solving like give us all the things I've been building backend system for all of my career. And to be honest, it has always been a more or less a disaster. It's actually very ugly mm -hmm. building backend systems. Okay. It requires a lot of uh, sweating, a lot of hard work, a lot of, to some extent, some sweating, because if you don't sweating, you know, so you're sweating and then you're also sweating because from time to time the computer reacts way better if you start insulting it. Yeah. <laughs> insulting my computer in Italian from time every now and then. Oh, actually, that's uh, my... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably going to get censored out, but okay. <laughs> Beep! Because it's in Italian doesn't mean it's not a curse word. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, when I was become a consultant, I helped teams uh, deliver software and building backend system. And I saw all the problems that they were facing. And this is what has prompted me to create Fastify 
and create a lot of the libraries that a lot of people now are, are using to build those systems. Mm -hmm. The next step for me was uh, I started thinking, well, I can, how can I in increase my impact? How can I help more people? How can I improve more? And it seemed natural to build a company around this dream, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, it's, uh, it seemed the next step mainly because after being so much in consulting, I really wanted to, to build a product now mm -hmm. and use what I've learned to build something new. Yeah. That was essentially the, the gist of why Platformatic and, and why now? Why now? It's because of other things, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I just kind of want to share something really insightful here. Actually, one of our other mutual friends, Jory Burson, is the person who I heard this from. She, her and I were having a conversation about this. So I worked at a place called Boku a long time ago that's like this kind of famous web platform consultancy, you know, like other experts in JavaScript. But we were kind of more everything above the API more so. We did a lot of stuff full stack as well with Node uh, but yeah, and Electron. But uh, I would say that a lot of like what Boku is famous for is like, you know, a deep expertise of like the web platform, right? And so interesting kind of echo to near form, just like on the other side of the spectrum. And so, yeah, but anyway, so Jory was like CEO of Boku for a while. And it, interestingly, she kind of, her and I were talking about this, this pattern of like, once you're in consulting, a lot of consultants end up starting successful businesses after they've been in the game for a while because they see patterns. You know, you see patterns like the same problems at different companies, just different flavors of the problem. And it's so interesting because I'm seeing this now, just like I'm at a point in my career where, like, you know, I have enough experience where I've seen like multiple phases of web technologies and also like I've worked at enough companies where I see every company is kind of having the same problem in a different flavor. Right. And so it's interesting to see like how your consultancy, like being a consultant in the node space and the API space for such a long time, like you were able to kind of see this, the needs and the gaps in the tooling and the process, you know? So, so how does Platformatic like uniquely fill in the gaps in the white space that's in the community right now? Yeah, maybe I can tell you something. It's about the pattern, right? So what we, uh, Matteo and I, observed is that uh, there was a, some sort of like a gap in between uh, different kind of like successful stories on the market. And if on one side uh, we saw the front end uh, being enormously accelerated and commoditized you know, in a certain sense, in a perfect reaction to what happened to infrastructure with the cloud and different, uh, you know, initiatives like we all know about for example, Terraform has been revolutionary, yeah. changing the world of uh, infrastructure. We're exactly sitting in the middle where most of our experience in uh, building for clients and for our own companies, in, when I was, for example, at Talos, building a platform that would accelerate uh, the day-to-day -day job of developers, making their life uh, not a repetitive task, but in transforming what was seen before as a repetitive task to some sort of innovation. And for us, the most important thing was the social impact of that change, the fact that it could actually catalyst new ideas, right? And so when we spoke like uh, on the ideal world, what we were looking on the market, we were basically looking on some sort of like experience that uh, would uh, put uh, building backends on some sort of rails and uh, focus on building uh, the best train in the world and not just the best set of rails in the world because we wanted to have... Uh, we wanted to provide to uh, our users being first ourselves, right? The consumer 
something that could, uh, you know, facilitate and accelerate uh, building uh, APIs. Like for example, uh, today we just released this first bit. Uh, how can we actually commoditize building APIs on top of databases, oh, yeah. right? How many times uh, I've been like going uh, through my uh, gist and my, uh, you know, toolbox to look, uh, which library shall I use to connect to uh, Postgres and uh, how can I actually structure that and so on and so forth, right? And transforming all these kind of repetitive tasks not really mechanical task because that would still imply a lot of work, but in something that would basically be an out of the box experience for people. And so we imagine this ecosystem, right? The digital platform world to be a puzzle, to be, as you can see there, I'm very passionate about Lego and luckily you don't see that side, but I am completely like uh, bought into the Lego mentality, right? We have all these kind of pre-made sets, but you can, fantasy is just the only limit that you have. and so. The same thing is for Platformatic. We want to give the, the tools and the building blocks to build uh, whatever people want to build, but having the constraints of uh, four by two blocks, right? The most famous blocks. Yeah, no, I, I think that is so cool. I love this, this idea of you're not interested in just building the rails because I definitely think you're absolutely right. That's kind of has been the focus for us for a long time. Like everyone's focused on let's build the rails, let's build the rails and everybody builds their own train. But like, guess what? Trains are like 95% the same, like everything, you know, you need an engine, you need a core, you need a this, you need seats, right? Like, so it's like, I love this idea of like, okay, how can we, like, what kind of innovation can come out of people having more time to focus on the business logic and the interesting parts of the, of their applications, right? Like all this other stuff is busy work and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, for me, I feel like a challenge that I've hit is like, in the past, and I've seen this, you know, at multiple places now is like this not invented here kind of syndrome that we have, right? Like engineers want to reinvent the wheel because I don't know, I have no idea. I, it's not a personal value of mine. So I have a hard time relating to folks who want to reinvent the wheel for like a 1% difference in API interface. Like, oh, they use uh, the strings instead of <laughs> integers or something. I have no idea. Like, it's like for one or 2% difference, you're going to reinvent the wheel completely because you're not happy with this thing's interface. Like why? I don't know, but it's a real problem. Like how do you fight that problem of people wanting to do it like their way, you know? Yeah. And there's also the, the other kind of like uh, effect in enterprise, for example, the space where we kind of operated the most is that it's just that the enterprise has different type of needs uh, than uh, the, the startup developer, for example, or uh, the independent developer. The enterprise has really the need of having those kind of like predefined also structures that they can uh, work within the so-called best practices, right? And so we actually felt that in this, in the, especially in the node space, Matteo extensively and uh, myself too in uh, the architecture side, we have been actually kind of like every time trying to redefine those uh, best practices, bringing them from the outside to the inside. But with Platformatic, we just want to standardize those best practices and say, well, we bring Oh, wow. A, that is so cool. You know, the best value of open source. So the best value that we, we are generating in this century, that is the community work, uh, the collective work uh, into a space where we actually create uh, an harmonized way to distribute those best practices into some sort of like predefined starter kits, predefined uh, libraries. And we give you actually kind of like the space not to start a contention or a discussion 
around the same topics, but an evolution-based discussion and say, how can you make it better? We give you, like in music, you give uh, the first note to set the tone, and the same we are giving with Platformatic. We want to set the stage and say, this is how we, from our expertise and the community, see this particular problem uh, being resolved uh, and being uh, commoditized in a set of tools. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you want to, uh, to contribute? It's all open. Please help us make it better. That's so cool. I love this bold bet of like elevating and setting standards. And like, that's such a Mateo thing to do, like is to just like say, here you go. You know, it's done now. Problem solved. Like bold bet. I totally see that. And like, I'm, that's like so cool. But anywho, I'm eager to hear from Chris. Yeah. So can you kind of tell us about what did you release today? Oh, it's called Platformatic DB. What does it do? Okay, so it does a few things. So at the outside, what you can scratch from the reading the getting started, okay? It reads up your, your database schema and uh, it creates a REST API with OpenAPI definition as well as a GraphQL API on top of your schema. So that's the simple or easy part of it. It supports relations and a few other bits. It also does migrations it does logging. It does, you know, what you would expect from a demo. Is it a um, like a code generator or no? No, it just runs. So the, it is what we wanted. Okay, we believe that the best line of code is the one that you don't have to write. So if you need a code generator, we are essentially implying that you will need to maintain that code. We want to minimize friction. We want to remove the problem. Okay. Hashtag just do it. Hashtag it just works. Just do it. Hashtag it just works. The right kind of magic. I'm certain things I'm okay with being magic. Like, you know, it's like I don't need to see the boilerplate. Like, you're welcome to hide that or abstract that. Like, if I don't need to maintain it, I don't need to see it either. Like, that's beautiful. Love that. Pretty much my take. Because if I needed to generate stuff, it will require even, like, I've, I've tried different things of, of this kind. There is a catch, though, and it is why the code generators are somewhat popular in the industry. It's because those code generators enable people to cast deeply customize the, the behavior that they need. And this is why they are so powerful, okay? How do we cater for that case in Platformatic? Well, in Platformatic DB, what we do is we enable you to completely customize our server using Fastify plugins. So I've talked about Fastify before. Fastify is these more or less 3 million downloads a month uh, web framework for Node.js. Um, right now, it's probably the best. I'm the author, lead maintainer of that, so I can probably boast a little bit. It's probably the best way to write servers in Node these days. It has, I think, 17, 18 collaborators maintaining it now. Like it's every single release, it has 20 different people commits from 20 different people, 10 of which are first-time contributors, like something like that. That's it's so cool. It has amazing stats. So that's battle tested, and you can use that battle tested framework to actually completely customize. Platformatic DB. In fact, Platformatic DB is just built as a set of Fastify plugins. So if you want those features and you have an existing Fastify application, you can just use our Fastify plugins and get the same functionality yourself without needing to, you can just directly jump into the advanced case, okay? And essentially completely write the stuff yourself. On top of that, it has a few more, more interesting things. It has a development environment embedded. It does a hot reload of Node.js modules, okay, and uh, yay. 
So next, I'm hearing that I need to talk about this feature later, so... Yes, yes, yes! I'm like, Matteo, Matteo, let's save this for the second segment. I want to dig okay. into all this and more. This is so cool, though. Oh my god, oh my god. All right, so I'm going to just, like, I need a minute to even just, like, contain my excitement. But we will be right back, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Sentry. Build better software faster, diagnose, fix, and optimize the performance of your code. More than a million developers and 68,000 organizations already use Sentry, and that includes us. Here's the easiest way to try Sentry. Head to sentry.io slash demo slash sandbox. That is a fully functional version of Sentry that you can poke at. And best of all, our listeners get the team plan for free for three months. Head to Sentry.io and use the code SHIPIT when you sign up again. Sentry.io and use the code SHIPIT. So had a minute to kind of freak out offline. So we're back and this is amazing. So Mateo, I'm eager to hear about all of this. And I love this concept of like boilerplate is popular because boilerplate lets you take the custom code, which is the hot path for most people, but then it lets you edit that code to like customize it and whatever. And you're like, okay, well, how about we use a plugin architecture so that we can actually abstract away that boilerplate hot path, but then enable that extensibility through a clean kind of plugin interface. Like that is freaking genius. But in many ways, it's also kind of the core principle and architecture behind Fastify, which is what we talked about last time you were on the show. We had a show on Fastify and Pinot. Totally awesome, worth a listen. We'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, can you kind of just jump back in there and talk us through that? So. The plugin architectures enable us to cater for the complex part of your application. So you can write your custom business logic, your custom routes, or your custom resolvers, or even, I don't know, would you want to add Next.js into the system? Yeah, you can. Throw the Fastify Next.js plugin and it will, it will work. Okay, so the idea is that uh, you can completely customize how the daemon is, how that server is running. As I said, it also provides some level of uh, developer experience dash live reload on it. So you can just uh, edit your files and it will automatically reload them and, uh, and run them inside and load them as Fastify plugins. It's actually pretty neat. This is a problem that I, if some of you have been in the Node community, is actually a hard problem. Because I also support ESM, and you know, it's this is tough, and I'm so sorry. This is now. I think Chris' face is a little bit skeptical on how that would work, but it actually does. Oh my God! Did you say sane ESM experiences in Node? Oh my God! Yeah, seamless. That's a heavy promise. <laughs> it's completely seamless. You can you just load it up, and it will. Uh, it just. Um, How about if I add different packages from like different npm libs, like it's fine that are like in different module formats. It's fine. All good and supported? Yeah, because it just use Node. Oh, okay. So you have all the same rules for Node, but what we do is that we have hot reloading of all of this. So even if some dependency changes and stuff, it gets hot reloaded in the in code. V8 isolates. 
So there is a little bit of C++ in there, stuff, really fun stuff. And I need to, by the way, I did not invent most of this stuff, or most of the key fundamental, the stepping stone, if you want to, well, that give me the inspiration for this feature, uh, come from Anna Ensingen, Adalex on uh, Twitter. She wrote this module called Synchronous Worker that uh, uh, does the... Did you say Anna? Anna, yeah, Anna. Oh my God, I love Anna so much. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. It, she's, it, freaking, she's so humble. She's so incredibly humble. No, I've been trying to get her to kind of come on the show for a while. I gotta, I gotta go. She, yeah, yeah, I go insist. She's amazing. She's brilliant, yeah. I love you, Anna, if you're listening. Yay. And basically, this module enables you to create a full worker, like worker thread, completely isolated from the rest of the Node.js or the rest of the, your main Node.js execution, but on the same thread and on the same event loop. Wait, so is it different execution contexts that are sharing? The same event loop. The same event loop. Like, that's black magic right there. Pretty much. So is this leveraging V8's yeah, isolate. isolate technology? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So interesting. That is some really black magic. I didn't even know that was a thing. Are they using this for Atomics to support Atomics in the browser as well? Like how, or is this just, or is this just a node thing? This is just V8, is just V8, isolates, is just uh, more or less the bits that you can already do, is how Cloudflare workers are implementing certain things and so on and so, and so forth. I see. What are the chances of something like that getting into node core? So. Oh, that's my next step. Yeah. All of this is, is open and Anna did the first implementation. I had to fork the module because I needed some modifications for my stuff to to get through. But I would really love to get into Node Core because it's uh, it's so powerful that it will be like right now. In order to run Plasmatic DB, it basically says if you don't have a compiler certain feature available for compiling this little bit of glue C plus plus glue to make everything work, we need to we run with a polyfill that does some of it, but that's the best that you can do with the tool at hands, okay? But the full experience is is amazing. Get to f figure out a few hard crashes, which are a lot of fun when your system have a very bad crash. Uh, in the sense of... A, that a, sounds a, cool. A V8 crash, okay? Like not a, another a V8 crash. It's, it's fun to debug. So, no, that was very, very interesting. It provides the core of the development experience for writing plugins so that you have... Uh, imagine Nodemon but instantaneous. I had to actually, it was so fast that I had to introduce a timeout because, <laughs> yeah, it's, I had to introduce a 100 millisecond timeout because it was too fast. Oh my God. And you're a fast typer, you're saying that. So it's like, oh my God, I can only imagine. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Something like that seems like it could even fix Jest. Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> and this is not a miracle worker, okay, Chris Hiller? Like, this is like, you're asking for too much now. Don't tempt the gods. I'm serious. Okay. I'm serious. No, I think you're right. Yeah, just and also all of the TypeScript memory leaks, like oh. everywhere. Yeah, I will tell you about that. That TypeScript is yeah. is on the path. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. I I wish uh, Nick Nisi was on the show. He'd just like perk right up right now. Did somebody say TypeScript? You know, TypeScript. I'm like, I'm not on the fence about TypeScript. I totally get it. I see the benefits and all of that. I'm just, like I said, I, I just am more like pragmatic TypeScript. Like I'm not spending a ton of time on generics. I'm not going to spend a ton of time fighting TypeScript for use cases that are like inner, 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 inner deep interfaces. Like, you know, I focus more on my public interfaces and places where it's touch points, you know. So anyways, I'm team pragmatic TypeScript. But anyways, I'm tangenting. So Luca, I'm curious, like, 
before we get more into like the specifics of the functionality here, like what's your role versus Mateo's role? Like, are you like CEO, CTO? Are you like co-CT? Like what's the like, what's the dynamic here between the two of you? Yeah, the dynamic is I'm a CEO and uh, try to do the all Excel and uh, more uh, yeah. legal side. All the PowerPoints. Uh, well, Matteo helps uh, and leads uh, the So you're building the business, yeah. basically, and he's focusing on the tech. It's a good partnership. We both kind of like design the product and design uh, the different features. Uh, mm-hmm. Is uh, Like I said, the product itself came out from uh, experience that we shared together mm-hmm. and, you know, sharing uh, architecture and ideas around that. So the product is kind of like, uh, you know, very organically designed, uh-huh. but that's how kind of like we split and more focusing on getting uh, the engine to uh, always have oil in and uh, smoothly work and operate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Okay, we'll have to talk about the business later. So back to the tech now. So Matteo, what else can this thing do? So we have crazy, awesome, hot module reloading that's like instantaneous basically which is incredible it's leveraging pretty like much. under the hood black magic v8 pretty much if it doesn't crash pretty much it, it seems yeah. stable we tried it heavily it seems stable is that like a f- experimental feature for now is it like labeled as like- i would say well it's uh, the wall of platformatic db i would call it experimental okay, okay. i just marked 0.1.0 so just to be clear, this it's first time this is seeing the light. We have been using ourselves in production for some of the commercial part of the business, which we are developing, which Luca is the person leading all of that. Okay. But right now, we it's essentially the first time that we are exposing it to the wide world. So I expect a lot of bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still not V1, right? We haven't hit. No, it's, I would say it needs a little bit of seasoning to get to a V1 type of, uh, or general availability type of thing. It's more of, oh, we've built this. We would like some feedback and we are looking for early users to help us out in debugging and making sure this is great. Okay. So we have this platformatic DB and there's an SDK on top of it that helps you manage your routes and requests and whatever else. And so what else can this thing do besides having a great developer experience? Platformatic DB is the SDK to some extent. Okay. You use it with your SQL database. So you can use okay. it with SQLite. You can use it with Postgres. You can use it with MariaDB. You can use it with MySQL. Cassandra? You can't use it with Cassandra, unfortunately. Ah, I found a hole. Yes. Filing a bug, filing a GitHub issue right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we focused on SQL at the beginning okay. for two reasons. And I want to reconnect on what a little bit of what we talked about before, okay? Part of our challenge and what we want to, to solve is to empower developer in building backends. And this is essentially our call. And in fact, we see there is a huge amount of material out there right now on how to use SQL databases, how to use MySQL, how to use Postgres, how to use SQLite. There is massive amount of material, okay? Like 40 years worth, 40, 50 years worth of material on how to build uh, SQL databases, okay? This is taught by in every course, SQL, yeah. SQL. It's a problem. It's taught in all possible courses. And using SQL as the base, it's kind of the reason so like one of the fundamental reasons, because most of developers will know this stuff, okay? So they know that they can use the database and it's 
to some extent is a little bit better from my point of view or my special my use case of just using ORM on top of your custom code because if you use an ORM you have the problem of uh, you know you're always passing through the ORM interface right while when you start uh, developing stuff straight on top of the database right, by using plugins you can actually write raw SQL and that's what we recommend using in fact internally we use another project from another phenomenal developers that you should probably check you should probably invite here it's called at databases and uh, it's uh, from forbes list day at databases like ampersand yeah. data databases is that like a twitter handle or what is that yeah 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 i'm posting a couple of links now so okay you don't have to do it live we can, we can, do, it, we can do it later yeah, but, but you know you see so i am thank you for sharing them here is the link okay it's amazing. Okay, it's an amazing library by Forbes. It is uh, right. is one and another of the old Node.js people type of. Did you say Forbes? Forbes Lindsay. Forbes or oh, Forbes Lindsay? Other person. Okay, I thought you meant um, Forbes. Like yeah, not the big one. Well, it's called the same. It's I was like Forbes, like the business magazine. What do they know about Node? Nope. Okay, got it. The person. Nope. It's Forbes Lindsay. It is one of the most, uh, it's, it's a very old Node.js uh, Node author, NPM author out there. Mm -hmm. And it's a great project mm -hmm. and it supports all the databases that I mentioned and, and, and more. Nice. Yeah. At databases.org, at like atdatabases.org. Yeah. And then we'll put a show link in our notes as well. So in this way, you can use your own SQL queries to build your own and all the top features of your databases. If you are building just ORM, okay, you are not, you know, if you're using ORM, you're stuck to what the ORMs provide you. I am team no ORM. I'm sorry. I think that it's a really not worthwhile abstraction. I'm so sorry to say that. Like Pretty much. It's like more headache than not. And then what happens is the ORM stops getting maintained sometimes. And then oh, everyone's like, oh, darn it. This is end of life for this thing is in a year and a half. What are we going to do? Like, come on. Like, no, it's like not even worth it. It's like your database is your gold. Like why put something between you and the DB that is like crap and buggy and whatever and slow? Pretty much. If I need to write code, okay, I want just to write, I want to talk to my database directly. Yeah. And that's the gist of the reason why we are using this tool and not other stuff that mediate between us and the database. Yeah. It was a pretty good, um, good journey about this. And we hope to help all those developers that are coming up from boot camps or mm -hmm. they are juniors at the university and so on and so forth yeah. so that they can be productive immediately, essentially. Learn it the right way. And like, it's also SQL is one of those things where it's like, learn once, write everywhere, use all the time. It's like Git and like bash. You just have to bite the bullet once and you're going to use it for the rest of your career. Like, like is this a new library? How do I not know about this at databases.org? I've been living under a rock, clearly. I don't know. Yeah. It's been around for quite some time now. Yeah, this is the first time I've heard about it. And I think for me, what's exciting is like a few years ago was in that situation where like, yeah, some popular Postgres ORM was like going out of style and was heading end of life. And then like the whole company was freaking out, right? Like, so... Yeah, good to know. But anywho, so back to Platformatic. So you have a sane DB line of communication, no RRM. So it's fast and will scale for many use cases. So what else? Like what else is in the what else is in the oven here that we're getting with this first release? And what's coming? What's coming soon? What's next? 
So what's coming, I believe what's coming to Luca, okay? What we didn't talk yet, mm -hmm. it's uh, the basic authorization capabilities. Mm -hmm. So essentially you can integrate Platformatic DB with uh, your JWT authentication server, for example. So if you're using Out0 or Analog, you could just uh, send the tokens to Platformatic DB and implement very basic uh, uh, role-based authorization. Access, role based access control. Oh, nice. That's another big one that's usually like tricky and most yeah, people get. Uh, oh my God. Pretty much. What is up with that? Oh, everybody messes this up. It's so like. Oh, it's everywhere. Everybody messes this up. It's like, yeah. Jeez. In the UI and in the API, like both implementations are always messed up. We are not talking about the UI, okay? Yeah, yeah, I know. I am as bad as a front-end developer dash designer that you can probably get. So, <laughs> you know, I was fighting last night in order to get the website up out and says, I literally Googled up, how do I add an HTML element? Oh, that's so hilarious. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I saw you use Docsaurus. That is so cool. Isn't Docsaurus amazing? Yeah, it is. We have them on the show sometime. Yeah. These latest release, they've done these Trudeau release. The, this Trudeau release is actually amazing. It overcomes all the previous bits that I didn't like about Docusaurus. So there was quite a few parts of the workflow that were not great before. And uh, this Trudeau release, they actually cracked a very hard problem, which is the multiversion setup. Mm -hmm. And we did a very interesting integration with GitHub Actions. Oh, interesting. So that whenever we do a release on the main project, it gets its documentation are lifted from there, mm -hmm. copied into the uh, Docusaurus website and committed by itself. So all of this happens behind the scenes. Very scene. cool. And so it's frozen and we don't need to maintain multiple versions on the docs on the current on the current tree. Because that's been a that's a problem for that's revolutionary. <laughs> it enables this kind of workflows. Yeah, that's so cool. And I'm very happy about the setup. It's, the build is not fast, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you can't have it all. We can't have it all. But anyway, so that sounds really exciting. So you, you've solved the role-based access, permission-based access problem. Like you've built in some good conventions and standards and good rails there. That's exciting. And so, you know, there's just like so much to dig into. Like I'm eager to hear about what's next. I'm eager to hear about the business plan. I'm eager to hear about what's your plan to like make money. How are we making It's all Luca, you see, I have been I've been so entrenched in in shipping this that I completely more or less got into my my hole and, and coded on my keyboard. A couple of things of what's next. Next week, we are going to NodeConf for this week. I don't know when this is, you are listening to this. Yeah, well, the show's dropping next week, yes. So this week. So this week, <laughs> on Sunday, we are heading to <laughs> like this. I've been in so many shows lately where there's some time warp. We are a time warp. Yeah, so this week, on Sunday, in a few days from when the show drops. On Sunday. In a few days, we will add to Kilkenny for NodeConfU. And at NodeConfU, we will be doing a workshop on Platformatic DB. Ooh, fancy. So essentially, we will be there promoting this. Then we will be around talking about Platformatic in November in London. Wearing t-shirts, giving away stickers. Giving away t-shirts. You see, we have t-shirts. 
you see that's the important part we have t-shirts yeah. we have stickers i have stickers you see i have stickers yeah i also have some nice and nice as well the priorities are all correct for platformatic db honestly like yeah who needs api features when you have cool stickers so yeah but anyway so we're gonna get into all this stuff and more the business the open sourcing strategy roadmap of what's next all that in our last segment so we'll be right back y'all This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fly. Fly lets you deploy full stack apps and databases close to your users, and they make it too easy. No ops are required. And I'm here with Chris McCord, the creator of Phoenix Framework for Elixir and staff engineer at Fly. Chris, I know you've been working hard for many years to remove the complexity of running full stack apps in production. So now that you're at Fly solving these problems at scale, what's the challenge you're facing? One of the challenges we've had at Fly is getting people to really understand the benefits of running close to a user, because I think as developers, we internalize as a CDN, people get it. They're like, oh, yeah, you want to put your JavaScript close to a user and your CSS. But then for some reason, we have this mental block when it comes to our applications. And I don't know why that is. And getting people past that block is really important because a lot of us are privileged that we, we live in North America and we deploy 50 millisecond hop away. So things feel fast. Like when GitHub, maybe they're deploying regionally now, but for the first 12 years of their existence, GitHub worked great if you lived in North America. If you lived in Europe or anywhere else in the world, you had to hop over the ocean and it was actually a pretty slow experience. So one of the things with Fly is it runs your app code close to users. So it's the same mental model of like, hey, it's really important to put our images and our CSS close to users, but like, what if your app could run there as well? API requests could be super fast. What if your data was replicated there? Database requests could be super fast. So I think the challenge for Fly is to get people to understand that the CDN model maps exactly to your application code. And it's even more important for your app to be running close to a user because it's not just requesting a file. It's like your data and saving data to disk, fetching data for disk, that all needs to live close to the user for the same reason that your JavaScript assets should be close to a user. Very cool, thank you, Chris. So if you understand why you CDN, your CSS and your JavaScript, then you understand why you should do the same for your full stack app code. And Fly makes it too easy to launch most apps in about three minutes. Try it free today at fly.io. Again, fly.io. So can you tell us more about Platformatic, the business? What's coming next? How do you plan to actually make money? Yeah, well, we're not gonna, like in every good Michelin star restaurant, uh, we give you a little bit of- the, We're not gonna spill our secrets, the secret sauce. The plating uh, and make you a little bit, you know, more hungry, but mm. we are actually gonna progress into a broader kind of vision and uh, uh, product. Our first step is uh, to uh, work towards uh, our cloud proposition, which is not like yet another AWS. We just want to actually provide a simple way, an easy way for developers to kind of like uh, test uh, outside of their own machine uh, what they're building. And from there, we actually imagine that that journey shouldn't stop. Developers should be able to have a first uh, uh, entry to the open world where they can test their uh, their API, then a way to scale it, 
and a way to integrate within their own organization. Because we imagine that the journey is a multi-step journey, right? A crawl, walk, run approach. We try to reverse it. We try to let them run as fast as they can, then walk and slow down uh, into the crawling uh, when, uh, you know, we touch compliance and other kind of enterprise level requirements. But our progression in terms of the overall strategy is going to be around uh, our club. We'll host your basically, right? To sum it up. We host your We will host your Yeah. Okay. Not quite exactly that, but like, yes. Yeah. In summary. Yeah. That's like the Vercel strategy, right? Is like open source the core. Correct. And we'll give you a whole bunch of really awesome, even better developer experiences and in cloud integrations with your deployment pipeline. Like Correct. very strategic and solid strategy, dude. Like high five from me. Yeah, until you land into the enterprise uh, proposition, which is... No, Miguel, enterprise is hard to please though. Enterprise, they always want bespoke solutions. Like it doesn't Correct. matter. They are always like, no, our problems are different, we swear. But they're actually not. They are actually all the same. They're all the same, you know? I swear to God, it's the worst. And I think what's interesting about enterprise is I'm eager to see if this ever happens in the business world where they really start to understand the value is in your business logic, not in where your APIs live, what stack you're using. It's about how quickly can you execute and how much agility do you have to pivot with the market. And they need to understand like there's a cost to having a bunch of your engineer. Like you have a hundred engineers out of the hundred engineers. If 60% of their time is spent doing basic stuff that can be outsourced, then like imagine how much stuff you can unlock in terms of your business being agile. And so that's something that needs to happen. And it's just not happening. I'm like, I, I'm a whole platformatic will, will be part of that strategy. But you know, it's just a gap. It's a serious, serious gap. For me, it's a form of talent waste. Correct. Like I see a lot of smart people doing things that are not that exciting anymore, you know? And it's like, come on, man. Like we solved this problem 20 years ago. Why are we solving it again here? You know? So. Correct. And that's Amal, exactly our, our strategy. Our strategy is exactly to tap into that exact problem and give us a solution, uh, this kind of out-of-the-box experience. And uh, the yeah. issue with the enterprise uh, and that kind of like uh, we notice and we experience is that, uh, like, like you were saying, right, uh, nothing is new there. The, how can we actually value more the investment that the enterprise does to create value for their customers yes. more than actually trying to actually spend a huge amount of OPEX capital yeah. into operating something that fundamentally... They can be bought. Exactly, right? Yeah, we need to shift the standards for build versus buy. Correct. We need to shift the line in the sand a little bit more. And I feel like platform uh, Platformatic is helping hopefully elevate that. Yeah, and there is actually a perception uh, problem there, right, in build versus buy. And Matteo and I have been also there. Like mm -hmm. for engineers, when you hear we buy something, uh, you feel like if your brain power has been diminished to something like an implementation, right? Yeah. And we actually want to kind of like completely flip uh, the equation completely there and say, no, actually the, the buy is mostly a buy-in into certain practices, certain out of the box. Uh, oh, right. Outsourcing your brain power to some degree. Correct. Like, like here's, I'm going to follow this thought leadership. Yeah. Exactly. It's all about uh, kind of like uh, also redirecting energy in something that is more valuable. Like, let's be very honest, uh, building a logging system. I don't find it personally challenging. It's nice to solve it at scale the first time and then it's like, okay, copy paste, right? Yeah, basically off zero's entire business strategy is like everybody outsources. 
Yeah, but distributed systems, if you think, they are actually kind of like, they have nuances that are nice to solve, but then once that you solve them, you can apply them everywhere. Yeah. And so one thing that we actually are going to accomplish with Platformatic without revealing the secret ingredients, we actually wanted to try to abstract away the operational side of building APIs and also kind of like the complexity of, for example, managing the team that builds APIs. So we actually are focusing mostly on how can we actually make sure that people focus only on that business logic and the rest, it's out of the box, it's a given. Matteo and I always use this term, it's a given, it's there, it's just like use it, right? don't question it too much. But make it still composable, right? Because it has to be composable for the different environments. So you're planning to build stuff out like... I don't know, load balancing and all those orchestration and all that junk that people want? Yeah, so kind of. I've been personally, right, very vocal on the time about service mesh uh, when it was just at uh, the beginning of exploding. Uh, and I always then started calling it a little bit of uh, a lie to developers because it's a great story for operators, but developers, they don't get any direct benefit out of that. So we actually want to bring uh, that equation back uh, to be favorable for developers. So we are actually trying to build, uh, in our vision, there is to build uh, some sort of, uh, uh, let's call it a runtime, that is uh, some sort of like a kernel to these applications, and then start to replicate uh, itself, uh, you know, in the different uh, distributed applications, distributed teams. Uh, so we actually imagine that the, the ultimate abstraction is something that will be able to run this business logic more than produce the business logic. Cool. So also, I wanted to ask about, it seems it's not just you two, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. We have a small team. I noticed more contributors on the project than just you two. So are you like, what, five people now? Or are you looking to grow? Um, something like that, yeah. We are just, just there. We are not looking to grow and, and anything else. Actually, I just wanted to thank all the people that have worked on, on, on this journey so far, believing on two wild Italians that, uh, and you know, you jump on a, on a new company and so on. It's been a huge leap of faith from everybody. Well, I mean, I, I would imagine that you probably will have the best like staff meeting food and just best office parties like, right? Like the food's always going to be great. And <laughs> look, we don't have an office. Some of us have never met in person. Met in person. Okay, but that is a freaking cool story though, right? Like a true modern company, like y'all are working remotely in the open and some of you haven't even met. Like that, yeah. I mean, that is like for me just like the cherry on top of the story, like fascinating. It's like you're pushing things forward in many ways. So do you feel like Platformatic is going to be beloved and kind of embraced by startups initially, right? Because like startups are the ones that are always more open to like, what can we do to quickly ramp up, right? Like they're the ones that really need that true agility and they need to catch up on their engineering, you know, help. So is it a startup project? First of all, and this is, I don't care. Too much about startups. Oh no! Don't say that out loud. What I care about is Just cut this off the show. No, no. No, no. let me finish. Let me finish. The because... bread and butter, Matteo. Like everybody has a customer, and they don't always need to love them. They just need to love their money, right? No. <laughs> I deeply love developers. Okay. Okay. The fundamental great part is that I deeply love developers. 
I want them to have the best experience that they can have. Right. And of course, we want to sort of start up at their best. Mm -hmm. Okay. But first and foremost, at least in this initial phase of our company, what we want is to uh, help developers get off the ground, help them deliver software very quickly, and of course, help companies that want to adopt this, help startups, help uh, medium uh, small shops, okay, mm -hmm. uh, small agencies, help all the companies that need these kind of tools the most. Yeah, there's a big need. There is a big need for this kind of stuff. So we are happy to receive all the feedback and incorporate all the feedback into our product. Yeah. But that's me. Luca will tell you that he's all in for the clients. Just to add, right, uh, for us it's very important uh, that we are taking out of context uh, the problem. And we go back to your point, Amalda was before, right? We are looking at problems in a very abstracted and lateral way. We actually believe that the context on which this uh, problem is going to be operated changes certain variables of that operation, but shouldn't change the solution, right? Authentication and authorization are exactly the same for a startup with two people running uh, yeah. whatever application to a uh, 100,000 people organization. Yes. Is the problem is that, and I go back to my best friend Einstein, is the observation point, right? Where you observe this problem from. That's what changes the equation of that solution. And for us, we actually want to try to change that total misconception and say, well, authentication and authorization are exactly the same. It's just that you need different type of scales and different probably requirements, but the holistic problem is exactly the same. Yeah. And so with Platformatic DB, that's how we actually started this journey, right? Towards our cloud. And we said, any developers that needs to use a database, ourselves included to build our own product, has these requirements. So let's go back to first principles, build it up and stack upon, stack upon, stack upon. But it's always about the context. That's why we believe that it works on my machine it's something that we want to make true. It works on my machine. It works uh, on your cloud. It works on our cloud with no changes. Mm -hmm. That's our promise. That's our ultimate goal is that we want to have this runtime, this atomic uh, application to run everywhere with no changes. That's incredible. And is everything MIT license? So we have an Apache license. It's Apache 2. Oh, we'll go. Apache 2. Okay. Interesting. Very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about this future. I'm here for it. We've had a huge need in the community, as you know. I'm really eager to hear when was the first commit for problematic and problematic? Oh my God. <laughs> I made this mistake too in a video. You called it problematic too. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Where did this word problematic even come from? <laughs> You've been calling it problematic DB. Okay. When was the first commit for Platformatic? And like, when was the first handshake for both of you? Like, I'm just curious, because Mateo said June earlier, and I'm like, damn, like if y'all created a company and a concept in four months, like, I'm like, do I need to quit my job? I don't know, like, this is so cool. Like, I'm so impressed. I'm not gonna quit my job if anybody's listening, <laughs> don't worry. The handshake come out was actually extremely easy. We, um, as friends, we have been chatting, we have been sharing uh, a lot of thoughts, and we actually, uh, and shook, and uh, we kind of came to an agreement that it was the right journey to start. Uh, I think it was the end of April, beginning of uh, May, when we first started to be very, very serious about it. So that was kind of like uh, there when we started to say, well, probably we need to take the leap. And uh, Yeah, we, we need to incorporate and uh, we need to create a company and uh, quit our jobs <laughs> to get this going. Like, we need to get this done now. Yeah, yeah, all the logistics. 
graphics, yeah, need to come later. Okay. That's the gist, essentially. Like, we, it was very late. I was on a two-week trip, on vacation for two weeks with my family, doing a, a road trip with our kid in the south of France. And uh, in the meanwhile, I was, during the day, I was doing all the family activities and stuff. And during the nights, I was reviewing documents for the company with all the incorporation staff and so on and so forth with Luca. It was quite a wild ride at that point in time. So, yeah. Yeah, super cool. Well, again, so where can people find you online? Where can they continue learning about the project? You're going to be at NodeCompU this week. Hopefully yeah. there will be a recorded workshop that folks can listen to and watch. But what's your website? What's your handle? What's all your stuff? Our website is platformatic.dev and uh, you can find us there. That's the company website. All the open source stuff are at oss.platformatic.dev or you can find us at the... GitHub org. You can find us on Twitter at Platformatic or you can just simply npm i Platformatic and you're good. Yeah. So... All the things. All the things. Yeah, and Matteo, you have a cool newsletter too. I'd love to plug that for you. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to listen to the wisdom of Matteo Colina, who's like a wonderful teacher and very generous with all of his Thank you. knowledge. He's on the Node Technical Steering Committee. He's a huge open source contributor and maintainer. He's awesome. Someone I think everyone from our community should be learning from, to be honest. But yeah, do you want to tell us about your newsletter? Uh, Nodeland.dev. Nodeland.dev. And we'll put a link in our show notes. So with that said, kids, we are wrapping this show up i'm super excited can't wait to try it definitely going to use this for my next few projects to play around with it and it was really great spending time with you both luca and mateo thank you i think it's safe to say ciao ciao absolutely ciao ciao, ciao everybody ciao 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 bye-bye thank you ciao. All right, that's our show. Thanks for hanging with us. If this is your first time listening, subscribe to the pod at jsparty.fm. And if you're a longtime JS Party animal, do us a solid by sharing the show with your friends. Help us help more people with weekly web dev goodness. Thanks again to Fastly and Fly for partnering with us. Please check out what they're up to. They support all of our work. And of course, thank you to our Beat Freak in Residence, Breakmaster Cylinder. These beats are dope because BMC makes dope beats. That's how it works. Next up on the pod, K-Ball, Nick, and myself discuss what's new and noteworthy in the community. Cloudflare's recent announcements, updates from the latest TC39 meetings, something something grumble grumble TypeScript, the Figma acquisition, and a whole lot more. Stay tuned for that. We'll drop it into your podcast app next week.